This is Minnesota Native News. I'm Marie Rock. A new exhibit of photos provides a look into cultural education programs for Native inmates at Stillwater Prison in the 1960s and 70s. Reporter Melissa Townsend explored the exhibit and has this story. Well, let's do an intro of you. Do you want to uh, introduce yourself? Well, my name is Eric Bird. I'm the archivist and curator at the AIM Interpretive Center. The center on Franklin Avenue in Minneapolis is basically an archive of all things AIM. Uh, yeah, the center means to tell the story of the movement from a local anti-police brutality patrol through national and international activism for indigenous people. Eric and I are standing in front of a wall of photos. They're part of the current exhibit called The Great Spirit Within the Whole. Each image is from inside Stillwater Prison in the early 1980s. That's where Clyde Belcourt and Eddie Benton Benet led a program teaching Native inmates about Ojibwe culture. They started it in 1962. We had a twice a week culture program. Every time we had a meeting, we started the meeting out with the drum because that drum was sacred. Clyde Belcourt says many of the men there were hearing these cultural lessons for the very first time. We were learning all about the Ojibwe culture and the sun dances and all that, which we knew nothing about. They never teach it in the public and parochial school system. Curator Eric Bird describes the photos. Some of the pictures show the walls of the classrooms are full of AIM posters and flyers from the broad so-called Red Power movement and Indian resistance. There's something about it, too, like without those pictures, drawings on the walls, they'd be blank, right? So, I mean, it's a blank space that they then fill with the images that they choose. They're not compromised images, right? They're like, these are drawings we drew And we're teaching ourselves, like, we are creating our image of who we are. Mm -hmm. As a young man in Stillwater Prison in the 1960s, Belcourt was held in solitary confinement because he wouldn't follow orders. For one, he refused to work a prison job. The people had their fingers torn off from spinning twine for the state of Minnesota. Others had their fingers stamped from making license plates for the state of uh, Minnesota. But with the support of the warden, Belcourt connected with Eddie Benton Benet, and the two created a space where they asked Native inmates to explore their identities as Native men. Eric Bird, curator of this exhibit at the AIM Interpretive Center, says the experience in prison spurred many AIM founders to find power within themselves and a path forward out of prison. The experience of incarceration is something that's very important um, in autobiographies of AIM leaders. I'm thinking of Clyde Belcourt and Dennis Banks and Eddie Benton Benet. These kinds of cultural education programs are no longer in Minnesota state prisons. But one man is leading an effort to change that. John Poupart is lobbying for funding for cultural programs to encourage Native inmates, both men and women, to find the Red Road. It could ease re-entry into the community and reduce recidivism. He says he's hopeful that with the first Ojibwe lieutenant governor in office, this issue may gain the attention it deserves. For Minnesota Native News, I'm Melissa Townsend. Lake Hiawatha Park in Minneapolis has a small lake with a beach, a large meadow with trees, and an 18-hole golf course. The Minneapolis Parks Board is currently redesigning this space, and on January 9th, about 60 people met to hear about the Dakota history of this land. We started a conversation and we hope to continue it with people. 
and build, you know, better relationships with each other and with our environment. Denise Nelson is with the Healing Place Collaborative based in the Twin Cities. And she organized Dakota members of the community to speak at the community meeting. Ramona Kiddo-Stately talked about her family's history here and how it's often invisible. Ethan Neerdahl spoke about the history of treaties and Dakota expulsion. And Samantha Mayhor talked about the power of the Dakota language and how it's everywhere and yet not formally recognized. The crowd of mostly white neighbors were full of suggestions. Could park signage be bilingual in both English and Dakota? Could there be landscape elements that are significant to Dakota ways of life? A representative from the Park Board says this is one of many community meetings that will inform the Park Board's plans for the Lake Hiawatha land. This is Minnesota Native News. Minnesota Native News is produced by Ampers, diverse radio for Minnesota's communities, made possible by funding from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund and the citizens of Minnesota.